Welcome to One Step Better, the podcast from Works. We're tackling topics to give you insight on a practical level to help your employees thrive in your organization and to help you become one step better every day towards being the leader that you want to be. Now, let's kick it over to the Works team. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and today with me I have Greg Henderson. Greg is responsible for handling a lot of our HR needs with the clients that we serve. I guess his official title is a human resource outsourced manager. That's correct. And Greg is going to be here today because we're going to talk about some practical HR items. So we're having, currently we're offering what we're calling the HR on-ramp, which is a three-month service where we are taking a variety of people through some HR basics. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about this week during our workshop is practical HR. So I felt like it would be a good idea to take that topic, that conversation and bring it to a podcast because there's a lot of small businesses out there that struggle with HR, that they either don't know where to go to get help or they don't know what help they need. I always find with a lot of small businesses, HR is an area where I don't know what I don't know is very, very prevalent. And so that's what kind of the design of the HR on-ramp workshops are. And this week in our on-ramp workshop, we're going to be covering practical HR. And in the first session of that workshop, we're going to be talking specifically about employee handbooks. Handbooks are a great starting place for any employer. It's a necessary evil for some. It's a guiding light for others. And so I felt like Greg would be a great resource to talk about handbooks. And so, Greg, I just want to throw it over to you and ask, is it, why is it important for employers, for small businesses out there to have solid, reviewed, looked at, actually utilized handbooks? Yeah, so I appreciate the time. I love this topic. I think it's one of the top three things that every business needs, no matter the industry or the size that you find yourself in. The handbooks set a great foundation of trust and transparency for our employees. And I'll take it a step further, instead of just a trust and transparency for your employees, it not only shows you what you expect from your employees, but more importantly is what they can expect from you. It kind of the behavior expectations from your employees and also from the company perspective of when things happen, this is what I'm supposed to do as a company. So I love handbooks for that main reason is that foundation of communication up and down the chain. I always think about handbooks from the timeline in which they're typically introduced. If I'm going to go out and hire a new employee, which we do on an ongoing basis, the interaction that I've had with that new hire up to the point of hire is typically in an interview type environment where there is a lot of questions on both sides, hopefully on both sides, where everybody's trying to do the dance to figure out, are you going to be a good fit for me? And am I going to be a good fit for you? And that relationship in an interview is typically always pre-employment. It's before you really know what the company that you're applying for is about, you're exploring some of that in the interview, but really the nitty gritty isn't gotten down to too much. Otherwise, it would take forever. The handbook is the employee's first true look a lot of times in the new hire process where they're onboarding or something of that nature. Maybe it's first day, first week, typically in the onboarding process. They're getting a view of who you are as a company, where you're talking about your missions, your values, your goals, and then all of the benefits of working for this company, the handbook is really the first place to get those details. And hopefully, maybe your employees are taking that handbook and they're going home and they're reading through it with the fine tooth comb. No, they're not. <laughs> but you know, sometimes that could happen, right? We're hopeful, we're, we're, we're optimists here. We <laughs> want that to happen. 
but a lot of times they're just simply checking a box that says, I got it. How much thought, how much time, resources, development do employers really need to get into with their handbook when some people read it in detail and other people, it goes into a filing drawer and it's never, ever looked at again? That's a great question. And there's a couple of different ways that you can answer it. And unfortunately, that's the standard HR answer, right? It depends. There's no yes or no when we talk about HR. But for this particular question, what I found intriguing was how you kind of broke down, this is how some employees view, and this is how other employees view. What I think we're missing is how the employer views the handbook is more importantly than how the employee views it. And what I mean by that is, this is who I am. This is what I'm about, and what I care about is in the handbook. And so I think we have to be clear with the expectation of what that handbook is supposed to be. So if you view a handbook as, hey, this is kind of the rules and regulations of what we're supposed to do, and this is the stuff that can get you fired, is that really what we want to show our brand new employee when they first get on ground is, hey, congratulations, we love you, we trust you, hey, but here's all the rules that you can get fired. I think that's the wrong way of looking at the handbook. And so I would view the handbook as a, a living document. Throughout the onboarding time, we're going to review pieces of it, stuff that kind of makes sense to current where you are right now. So 90 days into the benefits piece, yeah, we'll talk about benefit. A day into the employee, we'll talk about maybe, hey, this is the standard time that you show up for work. Or if you're very rigid, this is your, your start time. Don't throw the whole handbook at them at the same time because one, it's overwhelming. And two, it just doesn't make sense to that person at that time. Does that make sense? A, a little bit. I mean, handbooks are typically seen, it's been my experience, are typically seen as a necessary evil from a compliance standpoint. There's things that I, you know, I have to have a handbook. Therefore, let's try to get everything that we need to get in it and then just forget about it. I did it once. Why do I really need to look at it again? You're saying something very different than that. You're saying that the handbook is more than just, this is my floor of compliance that this is an opportunity to make sure that I am setting expectations, clearly communicating who I am as a, or who, who we are as a company, so that my new hire gets a little more acclimated to my environment, to my culture, to, to my policies, procedures, all that type of stuff. Realistically, what do you think is the ultimate goal of having a handbook as an employer? So the ultimate goal for, for my opinion for a handbook should be that it, it achieves the company's or the organization's objectives. Right, so I know I know we can get into this nebulous world of vision, mission, values, and statements, and all that good junk. That's why I'm calling it the objective. For those who love movies, I'm I'm a big movie guy, and so if you've seen Jerry Maguire, right, Cuba Gooding Jr. talks about the Quan. That's exactly what the objective is in your handbook. It's the everything. It's the it's your respect. It's your vision. It's your values. It's what you want your behavior expectations. But it's that quan, it's the entire thing for a handbook. That's the purpose of a handbook, in my humble opinion. And it's very difficult to go through, but I definitely want the people who are listening to this to understand that once you dive into it and you start doing it, you're better than you were before you did anything. You mentioned the big picture for handbooks, having visions, goals, that type of stuff that's more communicating the culture of the employer. But there's also a piece of handbooks that are more compliance driven. Now, of course, it depends upon company size and industry, the specifics that you may have in a specific handbook. But there's still some general things that as a best practice, you're going to have in just about every handbook that 
helps set expectations, maintain compliance, make sure everybody's on the same page. If I'm going out and I'm reviewing my handbook or I don't have a handbook and now I know I need to have one, what are some of the big picture, maybe top five things that I need to make sure statements, policies, items that are in my handbook? Sure, absolutely. So the first thing for a mandatory statement in every handbook needs to be at will statement, right? So it's the idea of your relationship to the employee is at an at will relationship. That's huge because it takes away the idea that I have a guaranteed job. We want to stay away from that language in the handbook. Every handbook, stay away from I'm guaranteeing your job if you become an employee of me. Stay away from that. We're an at will employer. And so that what that means is at any time, you can choose to walk out and I can choose to fire you. Okay, we'll kind of get into why that may happen in, a, in another podcast, but that's what you need. The very first statement, at will statement. Then you go through it a little bit and you say, okay, how am I acting as a company? By compliance wise, we got to make sure that we have EEO, equal opportunity employment, understood very well that we do not discriminate against any of the protected classes. Let me ask you this. So you, you are very specific in your statement there. Is it okay to discriminate in your individual employees? Is it possible for me to have a policy for my, let's say, my executive team that's different than my hourly employees? Sure, that's not what I'm referring to. So yeah, you can discriminate on performance standards and of that nature, right? So your population may have a different pay scale because of their expertise and their tenure. Sure. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the protected classes. Your handbook needs to be very clear. We do not discriminate on the protected classes. And if it's not a protected class, it is perfectly okay to discriminate in those environments. I see this all the time where we're talking with clients and they're afraid. Let's say, for example, I don't want to offer a PTO policy to any of my employees because if I offer it just to my managers, now I have to offer it to everybody. From an HR perspective, that isn't true. That's, That's just simply not true. Now, there may be other reasons that you may want to offer it to everybody, and there's, you know, that's a bigger conversation. But from an HR perspective, it's okay to treat one employee different than another as long as it's not because that employee's you know, race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation now, right. the, those protected classes that are clearly called out in the law Saying, under Title Seven, right? For these reasons, you cannot discriminate. Absolutely. Great point, right? So I have a PTO plan for my sales team. HR says I, I will apply that policy consistently throughout that sales team. Well, where we get in trouble is if now we're only giving the male guys extra time in that sales team and not the females. That's where, we, that's, that's where I have to be very clear. No, that's discrimination. You can't do that, right? So your handbook has to show that I, as the employer, will not kind of go in those practices that we have sometimes seen throughout the time. Yeah, the EEOC statement is, is a big deal because you want to make sure that you're actively saying that. And that's something that you need to train on an ongoing basis from a management team, leadership team, to make sure your, your team knows these are not a valid reason. Right. to treat somebody different in our organization. I can't compensate my guys more than my girls. I can't compensate my girls more than my guys simply because of gender. It's not allowed. That is illegal. That will get you in a big time trouble. trouble. Not just legally, 
but socially as well. I that's mean, right. we've all seen that in the social media type stuff that's going on with protest over a, a lot of different issues. And it's not a place that a company wants to find itself dealing with. And right, so, because you lose your reputation, right? And so how long did it take you to, to build that reputation? Well, in social media, however long it took you, 20 years, 30 years, you can lose it in five seconds. And so it's, it's important to note that your handbook sets the expectations for that. It's not the end-all, be-all. You still have to back that up with ongoing training conversations, but it sets the expectation that this is right. what we do and what we don't do. It's like driving down the, the interstate, right? It keeps you on the lane, right? The guardrails are your compliance piece. It shows you, hey, I can't, if I go too far, I'm going to run, run into incoming traffic. You don't want to do that. And if you go the other way, then you fall off the cliff. Got to make sure compliance is kind of the, the guardrails that you go through how you, 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 know, you do your employee relations and stuff. We use PTO as an example. PTO is just a type of leave. I oftentimes, because I, I get to see a lot of different companies' handbooks, I oftentimes see leave section of a handbook. Is there any required leaves that I have to make sure is in my handbook? Yeah, so PTO is different than required leave. Let's be very clear, and, and a lot of people need to hear this. PTO is not an entitlement. It is a benefit. So can I make all my employees use their PTO because we're down the season and I know I'm, I'm going to need their help in two months? 100% so. It is a benefit. It is not an entitlement. What you're talking about the entitlements are, are jury duty leave, witness leave. It, there's some states that have bone marrow, crime victim leave. Those are the leave, the FMLAs of the world. Those are the compliance leaves that are mandated to saying, hey, this is what you have to do. You have to offer this. Some are paid and some are unpaid, but that's the, t the type of leave that you're talking about. And we're seeing an uptick in this across the country with different states requiring paid sick leave now. I know New York and California both are doing that. That's kind of where these different types of policies start and they kind of make their way into the other parts of the country. But if you do have a state or even really down to the county and city level, that requires, let's say, a mandatory paid sick leave, mandatory maternity leave or paternity leave, those types of things yeah, that are popping up. Right, yeah. Those are things that need to be stated in your handbook. Anything that's required to, that you have to comply with, you want to make sure those things are in your handbook. If nothing else, it, it tells the employees, hey, look, we know what's going on and, and we offer the things that we're supposed to offer as an employer. Our head's not just buried in the sand as these legislations are popping up and changing. And so, you know, if you live in a state or you work in a state or have a business in a state or city or county that has those types of leaves, you need to update your handbook, which brings me to another kind of point to talk about is once you set your handbook, you still have to touch it on an ongoing basis. It can become stale. Right. How often is a good frequency to look at that? That's a great question. We get that all the time. I'll give you a great example. I wrote a handbook two months ago. Is it good? Well, the Supreme Court just passed the addition to the Title VII with sexual orientation and gender identity. So if two months ago, I thought my handbook was good. Well, technically, I'm out of compliance because I didn't include the sexual orientation in that EEO statement. The answer is as needed. It's a little vague, but it's because your handbook is a living document. We've talked about it already. We talked about certain leaves are mandates or compliance reasons. And so your handbook needs to kind of go through that a little bit. You talked about paid sick leave at the state level or at the county level. I'll give you a better one. It's a federal leave. FFCR made every employer have to talk about this paid sick leave. Oh, and by the way, and FMLA. So we used to only worry about if you're at 50 employees, 
that you, you qualify for FMLA, but now because of emergency FMLA, you could have one. That's why your, your handbook has to be touched routinely. It's that living document. You have to understand, hey, this is what's going on in the world. Gosh, let me make sure my handbook is the same thing. It, because either you've got to change the way you're kind of doing your practice or you change your handbook. And I would prefer you to change your handbook because compliance reasons, we have to make sure that we're all on the same page from top to bottom. You mentioned as needed, which is absolutely the case. As you hear about updates to, to laws and legislation, you need to make sure those get in the handbook. But also, even if you're not hearing about those things, it's possible that things change because they do all the time. We're talking about state, city, federal government. Things move at a rapid pace. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with everything. And so at least once a year, take a look at your handbook, run it by you know whoever your HR counsel is, whether that's in-house, you have an HR department, or if you outsource that to somebody else, make sure that they're doing their job and looking at their handbook, looking at your handbook, at least on an annual basis to make sure that nothing has slipped through that you didn't think about or hear about. It doesn't matter how great your handbook is. There's always things that either adjust in practice that need to make its way back to the written expectations, or you want to change something about what you're doing, and it, you need to start with the written expectations. And so I always think an annual update, or maybe if it's not an update, but an annual review of the handbook is, is uh, a good idea. Because once you review it, and some things are just going to jump out at you once you read it. They're like, oh, wow, why are we doing it like that? And so completely agree. The top three things that you need in any industry, posters, handbook, and somebody to manage them. Yeah, absolutely. We get a copy of a handbook for every client that we bring on here because we want to make sure that what we're doing from a services standpoint is in line with what, they, what their policies and procedures are. And I'll say probably 50 to 60% of the time as we're setting up PTO specifically, vacation sick or PTO policy specifically, what is happening in practice is different than what's in their written policy. Whether it's simply, well, we stopped capping our rollover, so now we're going to do unlimited rollover. Well, that's not what your policy says. Um, or, you know, we now are capping and your policy still says unlimited. Those types of things that, you know, for whatever reason, something has changed in practice and it's never made its way back to the handbook. Well, that's a big deal because ultimately those types of things is setting yourself up for exposure. Hey, you said I could roll over unlimited PTO and you didn't do that. Therefore, you owe me more money. And those types of situations are the things that we're trying to avoid by clearly communicating this in the handbook. And so as those updates do get made, do I need to go back to all my existing employees and say, hey, here's what's new or here's my new handbook and have everybody sign off on it? Do I just simply post that out into my intranet, whether that, you know, Slack, email, whatever? How do I get my employees involved in the, hey, I acknowledge this, I see this, I, I know what's going on? Yeah, so best practice is you would have some type of electronic acknowledgement that you could keep track of. Like, so for, for us in, internally, we use iSolved. And so what we do is we throw a PDF version of the handbook on the landing page. All the employees see it. They see an alert saying, hey, go sign it electronically acknowledge it and be done with it. That's your responsibility as an employer to push that out to your employees. It's not your responsibility to make sure they read it. It's to make sure that they signed it saying that they received it and they understood it. Another way, if you don't, if you don't have some type of HRIS system with that, is always go off with train the trainer. So you bring in your leadership team, 
you tell them, hey, this is a new update, and then you have them lead and train their team under them. And then, uh, again, kind of come back. What I always do is once I kind of showed that it's you know, implemented across the formation, what I do is I always pick a couple of lower-level employees, ask them a couple of questions of the new laws, and see if they can answer those questions. You just want to make sure that people understand what's changed, what's happening. Again, it all goes back to setting expectations, having clear alignment with what you're doing as a company, because these things do affect your employees, and it affects them beyond just their ability to come to work and perform for you. It affects them outside of work in some ways, especially you start talking about PTO, which is the easiest one to pick on, because honestly, I see it as the, probably the biggest one that's messed up in a lot of handbooks. Yeah, I had a client call a couple of days ago, and they got to kind of got, got sideways on their PTO plan because they started offering two weeks for new employees. Well, there's some veteran employees overheard, brand new employees, you know, raving about their two weeks of vacation. And they were like, well, hold on. I didn't get two weeks when I first got here. And so that whole conversation, because they were not aware that, you know, when that person came on board, their PTO policy completely changed. Again, you just got to little do, just do more communication. What I tell people all the time, it's a lot easier to train prevention on the front end and then do the lawsuit and all that crap on the back end. Yeah, you don't want your employees coming back and saying, hey, well, when I started, I didn't get that. And now my new hires are getting more than me. And that sometimes could be fair, but it's a difficult conversation to have. But having alignment with what you have going on in your organization really does help prevent that to some degree. And it provides context and framework for the conversation when it doesn't prevent it. And so it's always a, a good thing to make sure that your handbook is getting updated on a regular basis, that you have somebody looking at it, that they know what they're looking at, and then they know what to expect and, and what's missing. Don't just go and give it to your operations manager and say, hey, what do you think about this? Make sure that you're, you're including people that have an idea of what should be there and what red flags to look out for. You know, this is just a, a really small piece of our on-ramp session that we're having tomorrow. Well, we're going to go into some detail about handbooks. We're going to give, provide some examples about what the handbooks are. OnRamp, even as a bigger picture than just handbooks, it's really meant to help small business leaders, whether they're owners or key employees, get more in tune with what is the right way to handle HR. So if you want more information about our OnRamp or you want to participate in that, if you're in the Memphis area, we do that here locally in our offices. If you're Outside of the Memphis area, we do, we do have a remote option as well. So reach out to us on our website, works.com, W-H-I-R-K-S.com, or email us at help at works.com, and we'll give you some more information on that. It's a really great opportunity to get your key leaders trained up in some HR basics so that they can go back to your organization and provide the value that HR should be instead of just being a drain on... Uh, <laughs> a cost center that I, I guess I have to maintain because I'm an employer. So we would love to have you participate in OnRamp. And so thank you, Greg, for joining. I really appreciate you coming in and uh, looking forward to talk on our next podcast. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Head over to works.com for webinars, blogs, and more content. That's works, W-H-I-R-K-S.com. See you next time.